Relationships are what keep us going through tough times. But how do you keep a friendship long-lasting and strong? You need to keep in touch and get to know them personally. And you know, it's the same way with God. Hey everyone, it's Karen G. from the communications team. Welcome to our Tower Hill podcast featuring our weekly sermon. We hope today's message gives you some clarity, but most importantly, we hope it inspires you to take another big step in your own faith journey. This week, our sermon is about how to hear the voice of God in the loud busyness of our life. So let's kick it off to Pastor Jason right now. Welcome to Tower Hill Church Online. I'm Pastor Jason. It's so great to be with you here today, even though it is virtually. If it's your first time worshiping with us, I hope it won't be your last. If you want to know everything going on in the life of the church, go to towerhillchurch.org. You can check out all the ministries, all the news and notes of everything going on in the life of the church, and we hope that you'll join us. Now, our worship, we also have in-person worship as well as online, so if you ever get a chance, if you're in the area, we'd love to welcome you here, and I promise you will feel right at home. All right, well, we are starting a new sermon series now uh, in the season of Lent, even though Lent doesn't begin until Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, technically. We're starting today because we want to make sure that we get all the different installments in before Easter. And this whole sermon series is also going to be a challenge. I want to encourage you, those who did the 30 Days Deeper Challenge with us in the fall, maybe you want to gather with your partner or partners again and go through this again. There's going to be exercises I'm going to give you at the end of each message. You could do them as a group. You could do them one-on-one, however you want to engage, because the idea is this is something that you're going to take into practice to hear God's voice louder in your life. How many of you want to hear God's voice louder in your life? Uh, okay, good. I see those hands up. <laughs> and that's uh, the sermon series that we're doing. It's called Louder, Hearing God's Voice Through Life's Noise. Because life certainly is noisy, isn't it? And over the last year, it seems like things have just gotten noisier. And how do you hear God's voice? How do you distinguish be- between God's voice and all the other voices that you're hearing in your life? Well, I'm going to start by asking you this question. Have you ever been somewhere where it was so loud that you struggled to communicate with someone who was standing right next to you? You ever have that happen? I've had that happen so many times. It's usually at like a concert or something when it's just so loud and you're trying to communicate with someone. Hey, let's go get hot dogs, you know, and they can't understand a word that you're saying. And, And so you have to come up with some different ways of communicating. And some people are better at this than others. Like you may have some people in your life that even if you can't hear each other, you have the communication system down, right? I want two hot dogs, mustard, right? And I could just look at my wife and I hear, feel her say to me, go buy me a bag of kettle corn. So it really, it depends on the relationship. But the idea is if you don't know how to communicate in the middle of the noise, you're going to really struggle to do it. Or how about this? How many of you have ever been in a crowded place and you tried to meet up with somebody? Now, I'll say this. If you've done that with a cell phone, it doesn't count, right? I mean, things have gotten so much easier with cell phones. But if you remember back in the ancient days before everybody had a cell phone, you had to figure out how you're going to meet each other in a crowded, noisy, chaotic situation. 
Oh yeah, I'm gonna be the kid standing at the top of the bleachers with my arms up uh, during the game so that you can see where I'm sitting. You know, nowadays, just like, yeah, you know, I'm in the 15th row wearing the red shirt. But it was different back then. You had to figure out, you had to predetermine how you were going to meet up or how you were going to communicate. You know, when I led youth trips and we go to Six Flags, we had to say, okay, look, I need everybody back here at this fountain by 12 noon. And we're going to communicate. We're going to predetermine where we're going to meet and how we're going to communicate so that we can stay in touch. I'll make sure I don't lose any of you in the middle of the theme park, your parents would not be happy with me. Or, you know, just take it this way. It's sort of like Where's Waldo, right? You take a look at Where's Waldo, and oh gosh, I don't know how many hours I've spent on, <laughs> on these pictures, but there you find, see, there he is. How do you know where to find Waldo? How do you know which one's Waldo? You know by what he's wearing, what he looks like. And so you could find anyone, just about anywhere, if you have a good predetermined strategy of how you're going to do it. Now, this is absolutely true. You need a predetermined strategy for communication. And it's absolutely true in your relationship with God. You see, most of the reason why people struggle is because they don't know how to hear God's voice in the middle of life's noise. They don't know how, where to even get started. Now, this is not to say that God isn't always speaking and God can't cut through the noise. Of course he can, but it's always a partnership, just like any relationship. And any relationship thrives on communication. In fact, I think the number one breaker of marriages and other relationships is lack of communication. The reason why you feel far away from God is because of a lack of communication. You say, well, I, I pray for stuff all the time. Yeah, but are you talking at God or are you listening for God's voice in life's noise? Have you predetermined the voice you want to hear or are you actually trying to hear God's voice. So we're going to really be leaning into this idea over the next few weeks, and how do we do it? How do we hear God's voice cutting through life's noise? Because in a noisy world, it's all about communication. Now, I want to say this, and this may be a little bit of a challenge to you, and, and maybe that's okay. It's Lent. I'm a big believer in Lent of not what I'm going to give up, but what I'm going to take on. How am I going to add something to my routine, to my life, that's going to help me dial in to my relationship with God? And maybe you want to try that this Lent, too. Because here's the thing. You can hear God's voice louder. You just have to want to. Now, this is the thing as a pastor. I get lots of people coming to me and saying, I can't hear God's voice. I don't know what to do. I've tried everything. And I'm thinking to myself, really? Tried, like, tried everything? You know, and so, so, so what have you tried? Well, I've tried, uh, read my Bible. I tried randomly opening it and closing my eyes and pointing to and hoping that some miraculous scripture is going to jump out at me and speak to my life. Or uh, I tried an online devotional. Okay, what else have you tried? Well, I mean, that's kind of it. Everything, you really tried everything? And here's my point. You haven't tried everything. Maybe it hasn't worked for you before, or maybe you have things that have worked for you before that you've forgotten about, that you just need to get back in touch with. You'll hear God's voice as loud as you want to hear it in your life. But I want you to imagine with me, what would the quality of your life be like if you felt like God was near? If you felt like you were in lockstep with his will for your life? If you knew the plan that he had for you, the purpose he's called you to, 
If you knew that every single day you can feel his presence in your job, in your family, in your relationships, even in your fun, what would your life be like? It'd be a lot better, wouldn't it? I think so too. So here's a challenge to you. Dig in and let's do this together. So there's a predetermined strategy that we need in order to be able to communicate with God and hear his voice. And this is what we're going to be talking about are these ancient spiritual practices. Spiritual practices that have been around for the last 2,000 years that have helped people dial in to God's voice. And we're going to go through a few of them over the next few weeks. So, And maybe some of these will work for you and some of them won't. But what I'm hoping is at least one will. You'll feel like you connect with one of them. So here's a scripture from Jeremiah 6.16. I love the promise here. This is what the Lord says. He says, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. Ask where it is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that awesome? What a promise. You will find rest for your souls. Ask for it. Ask for the ancient paths. Let's walk these ancient paths together, shall we? All right, the first one, the first ancient spiritual practice is prayer, and that's what we're talking about today. And right there, you might be thinking, all right, Pastor, look, all of that wind up to tell me I need to pray more? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We have to cultivate a practice of prayer. Prayer is at the beating heart of our relationship with God, and if we are not a praying people, It's going to be really, really hard to feel dialed in to God's voice. In fact, Jesus spends time talking about this and teaching on it in his famous sermon, most famous sermon, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. It's his most famous teaching in the New Testament. And he covers kind of everything, right? He talks about everything. And he talks about prayer specifically, what prayer is and what it isn't and what it's for. And so we're going to spend a little time digging in to these verses from the Gospel of Matthew. Now, the first thing he does when he starts teaching them about prayer is he has to challenge the popular view of how you're supposed to pray. So back then, it was all about the show, right? I'm going to pray out loud. I'm going to pray in the street corners. I'm going to show everybody how spiritual I am by my prayers. I'm sure you don't know anybody like that (laughs) in your life. Um, Maybe some of these issues that Jesus dealt with aren't quite as crazy uh, to us in our modern world as we think. So let's get into our verse here. This is Jesus teaching on prayer. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now, what's he mean by hypocrites? Hypocrites uh, is also from the Greek word, and we have a lot of baggage to that word, but the Greek suggests that it was kind of like what actors were called, people who pretended for a living. Don't be like the pretenders who don't really believe it. They are performing it. Don't make your prayer a performance so that you can be recognized by others. If that's the case, you've already gotten your reward. Whatever applause you get is the reward you have. But there's something better that God offers when you pray really. Let's continue. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, what are we talking about with rewards, right? Maybe you've heard some people say, oh yeah, you know, um, I'm going to pray and God's going to reward me with a Gulfstream jet. (laughs) 
I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. Um, that may not be the case. That may not be what Jesus is talking about. I promise you it's probably not. What he's talking about is the reward of prayer is, is a peace that you just can't explain. It's a peace that defies logic, even defies emotion. It's a spiritual peace and presence of God that changes me, physically even, changes me. That's the reward that we're talking about, the reward of being heard and the Lord responding with his peace and presence. All right, let's keep going. Jesus says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. <laughs> How awesome is that, babbling like pagans? I'm telling you, it's going to be my next band name, babbling like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. So uh, don't just go on and on thinking that like if the more you talk, the more spiritual you are. It's not about that. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So what does that mean? Jesus is saying prayer isn't about putting on a show. It's about opening your heart and getting real with God. God doesn't want a fake, pretentious, pretending prayer. He wants you. He wants your real emotions. He wants your real life. He loves you. He wants to hear from you. I feel like prayer, I mean, prayer is something that really blows my mind. I don't know that I'll ever really get my head around it. The God of the universe who died on the cross so that I could communicate with him directly wants to hear from me about all the good, bad, and the ugly in my life, wants to communicate with him. And yet, he already knows what I need even more than I do. He already knows my situation before I say it. So why does he want me to hear it? And I always say, it's kind of like uh, if you have a little kid and they go on a field trip. And let's say your spouse goes as a chaperone on the field trip. And so on the way back on the bus, your spouse is texting you and sending you pictures and giving you the play-by-play -play and how the field trip went and how your child did. But when my son or daughter gets home, what do I do? I ask, how was the field trip? And I already knew everything. I, mean, I had the pictures, I had the videos, I got the download. I knew everything that had happened. But I wanted to hear it from her. Why? Because I love her. And there's something about that moment of the communication between us that matters. I don't know if that's an answer, but I feel like that's part of what's going on in our relationship with God and when it comes to prayer. So how should we pray? If that's how not to pray, how should we pray? Well, Jesus answers, and this is going to be a very familiar answer to you. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, this and that last part of the Lord's Prayer, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. That came later. That was an addition. Um, but this is, at least in Matthew's gospel, the place where he says, this is how you do it. And this is what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And for most of us in our churches, we recite it word for word. It's a memorization thing because the Lord taught us to pray this way. So we ought to pray this way. But I also want to say there is a chance in our modern church that we've 
to become a little misguided in how we use the Lord's Prayer. Because I believe it wasn't just for memorization, it was for orientation. I want to dig a little bit into this, the Lord's Prayer, and how Jesus himself uses this model of prayer in his most difficult moment as he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. See, I think this is more of a template of how to pray than necessarily something we're supposed to say word for word every time. Because what happens when you memorize something and you say it over and over again is it loses its meaning over time. Your brain just sort of goes automatically, right? You don't always think about the meaning because you just think about the words. And that has some value, but I don't think that's exactly what Jesus wanted. I think he wanted more from showing us this template of prayer, an orientation, not necessarily memorization. So if you break down the Lord's Prayer, You see that the first three petitions or the first three parts of the prayer are all about giving God the glory. And then the last four are all about what our daily needs are. Right? So the first three, all about God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? So we're starting with God first. And this is what Jesus is telling us. Start with giving God the glory first. Then give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into too temptation, right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. These are the things about us in our lives. And so our model of prayer should be God first, us second. And I want you to watch this as Jesus goes through this dark moment. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, right before he is arrested, he is agonizing over the moment that he's about to take on the weight of sin of the world. And I want to show through what Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer and in Jesus' own teaching on prayer, how it models how he goes about prayer in that moment. Remember, he starts off, and this is later in Matthew 26, he says, sit here while I go over and pray. And then I think about his teaching on praying in secret. He didn't want to make a show of it in front of his disciples. He went off and he modeled this in his private prayer with the Father. Then he says in this moment uh, of, you know, agonizing over what was about to happen, he prays, my father, if it is possible, take this cup from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And this reminds us of that part of the Lord's Prayer, right? Our father, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will, or let my will be thy will, and thy will be my will, right? That's what he's praying. So he's modeling this, right? He's he's giving glory to God first, going to pray in secret, saying it's all about you and your kingdom first, even before what I want. Then he goes to his disciples. He tells them to stay awake and watch and pray that they don't fall into temptation. And of course, that part of the Lord's prayer, lead us not into temptation. He's kind of going in order using this template of prayer based on what circumstance he's going through. And the whole point of the prayer was what? Deliverance from evil. And again, in the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil. You see, he's kind of going step by step. Listen, in a noisy world, communication is everything. And this is how Jesus is teaching us to communicate with God. You start by giving God the glory, step by step. And then asking about what you need. But the reason why you give God the glory first is because you're remembering it's, it's all about Him. It's all about His will. It's all about what He wants. And then I pray what I need in the context of what He wants, of who He is, 
of God's glory, not my glory. It, it puts our prayer in the right perspective. Here's the thing. We need to cultivate a prayer practice like this. And if you're not used to doing this in your life or don't know where to get started, I'm going to give you three ways to start cultivating prayer this week. Something you can do right away. And these are going to be posted on our website. And there's going to be links, PDF links to these prayer exercises. I want to encourage you to do them. And I'm going to be doing a follow-up devotional once a week, every week during Lent, to talk a little bit more about these practices. So stay tuned and look out for all the information on that. You can find all that on towerhillchurch.org. So the first prayer practice you can start this week, I'm calling your Lord's Prayer. What would it look like if you took the template of the Lord's Prayer and plugged in your stuff? Starting with God, who He is, in your own language. Not necessarily hallowed be your name, but Heavenly Father, I love you so much and I give you all the glory. You are, you're the only one who's holy. You're the one who saved me from sin and death. I, I, sin and death, I love you. I thank you. And then kind of go on to what's next. What would it look like to make the Lord's Prayer your Lord's Prayer? That's one exercise. The second would be something called the Prayer of Examine. This is an ancient practice uh, that has, it's a way of, of preparing for and reflecting on your day and thinking about God's role in everything that you're doing. You're getting up, you're going to bed, you're going to work you're hanging with your family, whatever that is. It helps you do that. And we have a link uh, that goes to a Jesuit website that really explains the practice of the prayer of examine really, really well. I want to encourage you to do that. And then the third is the ancient practice, okay, not so ancient practice, of the morning cup of Joe. <laughs> this is a great beginner prayer. And here's this prayer. You get up, you get your coffee or tea or whatever you're going to start your day with, and you say a very simple prayer, Lord, help me be awake to you today. I have this thing going on in my life today. I really pray that I can see your presence and follow your lead. That's it. What happens is the more you do that, the more it awakens you to God in your presence. The more you could find Waldo in the crowd, right? Because you know what to look for. You know you could find God in the crowd because you know what to look for. You know the situations you've invited him into through prayer. So go for it this week. I pray that you're able to start cultivating this practice of prayer. And I can't wait to hear about it. Share what's going on in your life uh, and what's going on as you do these practices. And until next time, I do pray that you are able to hear God's voice louder through life's noise. Amen.